Join me, if you would, this morning in the book of 1 Peter, if you'll find your way there, 1 Peter, and when you get to 1 Peter, uh, chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3. I want to mention again this morning um, our theme for 2024. You see it everywhere around the property. It's always flashing up on the screens. And there it is again, hometown focus. That's our theme. And our theme is something that focuses us, you know, throughout the course of a year. We try to keep that focus as we move forward. And last week we tried to unpack our theme just a little bit. What does it mean? What are we, what are we trying to focus on? We talk about hometown. What is our focus? And what we, what we want to do this year is draw attention and really focus our attention on our families. You know, your family, my family, our families here at Open Bible, right? Not that we're going to neglect families out and about, but we want to really focus our attention on our families to help our families uh, get stronger and grow in strength and in spiritual depth and so on. And so that's part of our focus. And then also... We want to focus some attention uh, and draw attention to our church, Open Bible. And uh, we want to make sure that, you know, we're doing everything we should be to help the members of Open Bible grow, Amen. right? A church ought to be a place where you come worship God and learn about God, you know, learn how to live the Christian life, find uh, a place of fellowship, you know, you get to know some folk and, and you become, you know, friends and so on and so forth. And so we want to grow that this year and strengthen uh, the ministry here at Open Bible. And then finally, uh, our community. We want to focus in on our community, you know, our township, our county, you know, and then reach the world. We're all about reaching the world with the gospel of Christ, but we don't want to neglect our hometown as we try to reach the world, right? So that's our focus. That's our theme for this upcoming year. Last week, as we began to unpack it, we talked a little bit about the family, and so I, I want to visit the family again uh, today. Remember last week I asked you this question? I asked if you, were to, if you were to rate your family on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being over the top, right? And then 1 being um, not so close to the top, I'm trying to be kind here. How would you rate your family in light of God's desire for your family? Right? Think about that for a second. If you and I, if we were to sit back and just say, okay, you know what, it's important for me to, to know where my family's at in all of this, where, how would I rate them? How does my family measure up in light of God's desire for our family, right? Now, I said this, and I want to say it again. It is not my desire in this little series to talk about all the negatives going on in our society about the family, because you can write a book of it. Books have been written about it, right? We already know it. I don't want to concentrate any effort on the negative part. I want to concentrate effort on the positive part. Amen. You know, how can we strengthen our families, right? But I think it's important to at least know where we are as a family, right? And so as a, as a dad, as a mom, even as a, um, a young person, a teenager or a young person, how would you rate your family based upon what you know God's desire for your family is? Was that clear enough? Yeah. Did I make that clear enough? Yeah. I don't want to ever confuse you. Because sometimes I can complicate things, you know. But based upon what I know, because you can only do based upon what you know. Based upon what I know, how does my family measure up to what the Bible says or what God desires for my family? Are you with me? And so we talked about that last week. I'm not sure if you did any homework on that. But let me ask you, how does your family measure up? 
when you look at the scriptures, when you, you, you take into consideration what you know God wants from you, where are you on a scale of one to 10? 10 being superb, over the top, and one being we really need some help, Pastor. We really need some work uh, on our family, huh? By the way, pay attention to this statement. We all need work in our lives. There's room for improvement in everyone's life. Don't you agree with that? Amen. And so I want to concentrate a little bit more today on the family. Today I want to talk this, about this. Uh, family helps. Family helps. I want to give you some what I'm going to call family helps. This uh, series is not going to go on forever. And it's not going to be an exhaustive series on the, the family because you remember it's hometown focus, it's family, it's church, it's community. But it will recycle. So I'm not sure where I'm going to go next week with this. I think I have a little bit more to give you. But if not, we'll go to the church. And then after the church, we're going to go to the community. And then we'll probably recycle back to the family. I mean, it might be right around Easter. And we'll take a break and, you know, have some messages on the resurrection and get right back to this theme. So none of this is exhaustive, right? And I'm not going to try to labor every point. But I do want you to get a good foundation and some helps to strengthen your family. Talk about that word family for a moment. It's often, it's often used with a, with, you know, in a broad way. Do you ever notice, sometimes you hear this, we're like a family around here. Do you ever hear that terminology? I love it when you talk back to me. It makes me really feel like you're here. <laughs> Did you ever hear that terminology? We're like a family around here. They use it everywhere. You know, you go to your doctor's office and you, man, we're like a family around here. You know, uh, sports teams will say every once in a while when they're really winning and doing good, we're like a family around here. You know, when they're not, they've been divorced. <laughs> you know, we're a divorced family. Uh, businesses talk about that. We're, we're like a family around here, right? And, and, so, and, and, and so a lot of times what they're saying is this, uh, we identify, now pay attention here, we identify as a people group. We identify as a people group. Huh? But let me ask you this, is your family just a people group? Or is it a family? See, when you look at society or look at uh, the way they define family, it's interesting. For example, look at the screen. I pop one up. Here's one way in which the society defines family. Are you with me? Uh, no, keep going. Here you go. Look at this. Family means having someone to love you unconditionally in spite of you. Say amen right there. I like that. So, family is having uh, someone to love you unconditionally in spite of you and your shortcomings. Family is loving and supporting one another, even when it's not easy to do so. I like that. Right? I, I, I agree to that. I think that has a lot to do with family. Don't you agree? I think family would say it this way. Uh, a family is where you can get away with some things. <laughs> right? Uh, try doing your attitude outside of your family and it may not work. You're having a bad day and man, you let, let it out on somebody and you know, you, you know they, they allow you to have a bad day. Are you with me? However, that really just speaks about a people group because that could be true with, with friends or social, are you with me? Here's another way they define, look, look at flip, flip. Uh, family, it's being the best person you could be so that you may inspire your loved ones. Family doesn't see color, race, creed, or it should be, or culture, it sees heart. I don't find any fault with that, do you? 
I think that's what we, we would want to maybe have as one of the uh, characteristics of our family, right? I mean, to tell you, I'm trying to be the very best person I can be. I want to inspire others in my family, right? I, I, don't want, I don't want race or color or creed or culture, you know, to be the predominant factor in the way I treat people. Are you with me? Or the way I judge people. I don't want it to be based upon the color of their skin or, you know, the tattoos they have on their neck or forehead or where they're pierced. I don't want that to come into it. I want to look at a person's heart. However, I think that can be said of a people group. People group. Are are you with me? Uh, My question is this, for you and I, for us, what's the Bible say about the family? Isn't that what matters most? Most? I mean, if I'm, going to measure, if I'm going to measure my family, if I'm going to rate my family on a scale of 1 to 10, if I really want to know and be successful in God's eyes, then I need to understand what the Bible says and what God's desire is. Nothing wrong with these definitions at all. However, my question is this. Are you listening real good? What is a biblical family? <laughs> Hello. You got real quiet on me there. You were laughing and having a good time. And all of a sudden, ooh. What is a biblical family? That's the question. And and here's the thing. Uh, Biblical families are unique because, now pay attention to this, we allow the Word of God to uh, govern us and define us and condition us. And I can keep going on with that, right? A biblical family. And here's what you find. Again, I remember I said this a moment ago. This is not an exhaustive study. This is not a family life seminar. It's just one message in a series of messages. So I'm not going to be able to take this and keep going and going and going on it. However, what you'll find is this. Biblical families have specific roles assigned to each member. Did you get that? Let me say it one more time because I don't think they heard it in the back. Only the people up front are saying amen. (laughs) Biblical families have specific roles, responsibilities assigned to each member. Right? And I'm not going to get ugly here. I promise you. I promise you I won't be ugly here. However, according to the Bible, the Bible is rather clear as to what it considers to be a family. Right? There, there, is, there is the father slash husband. And can I say this without any, 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 any? In the Bible, that person's a male. That person's a male. In the Bible. And I'm not looking for anything here. I'm just, I'm just stating what, what I believe the Bible teaches. Because this is where, where we are. Right? We're a Bible-believing Baptist church. And, right? And so, um, and, and here's the thing. Now, pay attention to this. In the Bible, that father, that husband is to be a man of God. Oh, you thought just the pastor was supposed to be a man of God. No. All men are supposed to be men of God. Huh? Are you with me? Yeah. Get excited, ladies, because I'm coming to you next. Uh, And and here's the thing. Now, pay attention here. Again, this is not exhaustive. Just a couple of thoughts. Uh, That father, that husband, that fella, that man of God is supposed to be knowledgeable in the Scriptures. Hey, Dad, hey, husband, you and I, we're supposed to know the Word of God, and we're supposed to know the way of the Lord. Are you with me? Yeah, and not only that, but he puts that knowledge into practice. We not only know it, 
but we do it. Right? That, that's talking about what is a biblical family. Are you with me? Uh, he's a leader in his home. He's a provider and protector of his family. And man, I tell you what, I can go on and on and on with this. But you get any idea? Huh? I think this. I think love for your family, it's a given. <laughs> right? I think care, it's a given. There are certain things just a given. That's just a given. That's what you do. Right? You know, you want to be your best for your family. Yeah, that's just what you do. Right? So when you look at the biblical family, there's, there's specific roles and responsibilities for each member. For the husband, uh, father, husband. For the wife, mother. For the mother, wife. And by the way, let me be clear. In the Bible, that person is a woman. <coughs> That's just the way God made it. Huh? It's no fella coming along and saying about uh, another fella, he's my husband. That's not what the Bible teaches. It's not a woman coming along and saying uh, to uh, another woman, uh, that's my wife. That's not what the Bible teaches. Right? Now, I'm not saying that's what they teach in society or somewhere else, but that's not what the Bible teaches. I'm just trying to teach the Bible. I'm not even telling you what I believe, but I do believe the Bible. Did did you get that? Uh, And now listen carefully. That woman, that mother, that wife is supposed to be, now pay attention right here, a woman of God. So not just a man of God, but a woman of God. And there's a lot that can be said about that. However, everything I said about the man is true of the woman. She's responsible for the same, to be knowledgeable in the scriptures and the way of the Lord. And she's to be a teacher and a nurturer, right? And on and on the list goes. And then, and then of course, there's children. Not every family has children for, for whatever reason. But, I mean, the ideal is a mom, a dad, right? A husband, a wife, a man and a woman, and they have a child or, or, or more, right? And after you have one, you'd say to yourself, do I really want another? <laughs> no, we have four. We're glad we have all four. And hopefully in our old age, they're going to take good care of us. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but listen, here, here's the basic premise. A child is to be willing to obey their parents. And you know what I believe? I, I was at the Ose uh, Anor family yesterday. had a baby dedication. Good to see you, Richard, Essie. God bless you. And, and here's what I said to them because they're dedicating their child. Here's what I said to them. I said, you need to make it easy for your children to follow the Lord. Don't make it complicated. Right? I mean, listen, if you say, Richard, if you say to your son, this is what I say to Richard, if you say to your son, son, you need to go to church, but you don't go to church, you're complicating things for this young man. Because you're telling him to do something you're not doing, and he'll only do it for so long because eventually he'll do what you do. Right? Are you with me? And, and so, a, 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 a child's role in the home is first and foremost to obey their parents, but then they should contribute to the well-being, the overall well-being of the home, right? Because they have a role to play. Are you with me? Family. So, let me say this. What is the biblical family? Flip it. The total package. <laughs> the biblical family is the total package, man. When you get a mother and a father and some kids that love God, they're following God, they're trying to do the best they can for the Lord, man, that's the total package. And that's awesome. That's what the Lord would, would want from, from all of us. You know, mutual re- love and respect. But as I said last week, remember this, at times things get messy. Right? Wave your hand at me. Do you ever have some mess in your family? Come on, be honest now. Nobody's going to judge you. 
If you don't raise your hand, we wouldn't believe you anyway. It gets messy, right? It gets messy. However, pay attention to this. Biblical families work through that mess. And they seek the Lord's help, and He gives them help. He gives them grace so that they can become what God wants them to become. Amen? So, look at this text of Scripture. I said all of that just to get to this text of Scripture, right? And that was the introduction. The message is just, just a short message, but I want you to see something here in chapter number 3 of 1 Peter. Now, before we can under, understand verses 1 through 8, we have to kind of walk this back to chapter number 2. Because in chapter number 2, the key to the book of 1 Peter is mentioned. Look at verse 13. Chapter 2, verse 13. Peter said, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Did you see that? I want you to highlight or underline or remember these words. Submit yourselves. Go to verse 18. 2 Peter chapter 2. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. Servants be what? Subject to who? Your masters with all fear. And so, again, uh, submit or subject, same thing, submission. And so, what Peter is saying here is this. He's saying the whole key to success, pay attention here, in the Lord is for you and I to submit to Him. If we submit ourselves, if we allow Him to be our authority, then we have a better chance of being successful in our relationship with Him in the Christian life. And so, then he jumps into chapter number 3, and there's carryover. Look at verse number one. He said, likewise, ye wives. Now he's talking to the wives. And you see that word likewise? You know what that means? Just the same. Just like I said in chapter number two, Peter's saying, likewise. Just like uh, in verse number 13, you're so, supposed to submit to every ordinance of man, and servants are to be subject to their masters, so wives are to be in submission to who? What did they say there? Everybody else's husband but your own. No. But isn't it strange how, how, well, I won't go there. I won't go there. I want to go there. But I won't go there. Because if I go there, we're not going to get where I want to go. Because that's a rabbit trail. It's a good one. Some of you are going to like it, but other people won't understand it. So I'm not going there. Go ahead and say, Pastor, just don't go there. All right, I won't go there. Look at verse 7. He said, likewise, who's he talking to? Husbands, dwell with them. Who, who, who's he referring to? The wife, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as the what? The weaker vessel. So Peter's saying this, the whole key to success in the home is based upon submitting to A, the Lord, and B, your role in the home. Did you get that? I'll tell you what, things will always go better if you just do what you're supposed to do. Oh, man, that was good, and you didn't say that was good. <laughs> things always go better when you do what you're supposed to do. Isn't it true? When you, when you don't, things just don't go right. Huh? So Peter's saying here in this text of Scripture, it'd be a whole lot better if we just did what we're supposed to do. And then in verse number 8, he, he draws his thoughts to a conclusion. Look at verse number 8, and here's the text. He said, finally... Be all of one mind, having compassion one to, uh, of another. Love his brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. He draws his thoughts to a conclusion here. And there's a whole lot that can be said and should be said, I think, about the family. But the message title is Family Helps, right? Family Helps. So before you leave this morning, I want to give you something to take with you. I want to give you just a couple of, couple of helps 
that I think would bless every family. Let me say this before I give you the helps. According to Scripture, the foundational relationship of every home is the husband and wife. It's not, it's, not, it's not the kids. It's not mom's relationship with the kids, and that ought to be wonderful and close and nurturing. It's not dad's relationship with the kids, and that ought to be, you know, spiritual. No, the foundational, pay attention right here, the foundational relationship of every home, family, is the husband-wife relationship. As that relationship goes, ultimately, is the way your family goes. I promise you this, if there's trouble in the husband-wife relationship, it will surface in the family, and it won't be long before it affects your children. I've been doing this for a few years. I counsel with families all the time, every single week almost. I'm counseling with families, and some are just looking to get stronger, and some are looking to survive. Survive. And most of the problems come down in the home. It's because mom and dad are having problems. They're not on the same page. Are you with me? They're not agreeing. They're not following through. And I can go on and on with that. So pay attention here. The, the foundational relationship of every home is the husband and wife. And the foundation of that relationship is the Lord. Amen. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's you and I submitting to the Lord and his word. So the foundational relationship of the home is the husband and the wife. And the, rela- and the foundation of that relationship has got to be the Lord. Amen. When I counsel young couples as they're starting to get married, I always use the illustration of a triangle, right? And I see a couple of them laughing back here because I've counseled with them. And I'll take a line, I'll draw a straight line, and I'll put on this side here an M for the man. And on this side here, I'll put an F for a female or M, uh, W for a woman. And I'll say, you know, right now, you know, here you are and here you are. And then I'll draw, you know, a triangle. And up at the top, I'll put a G for God. And I'll say this to the man. I'll say, Dave, uh, as a husband, father, man, as you get closer to God, and Shay, as you get closer to God, guess what happens? You get closer to each other. You get closer to each other. Huh? And you start, did you ever, did you ever say this, did you ever hear this sometimes? The, old, the longer a couple is married and they're really in harmony, you know, they really do become, they even start to look like each other. Huh? I, I was checking my hair. I'm starting to get blonde streaks in my hair. And Donna's growing whiskers. It's unbelievable how that happens. But isn't it true you can almost complete each other's statements? You know what you're thinking. You know what, huh? When, when one of my children would come to me and say, hey, Dad, can I? I'll say, what's your mother say? And whenever they say, she said, ask you, I know there's something up. Huh? And I'll say, what's your mother say? What's your father say? Huh? Why? Because we, we agree. We agree. We want the very best for it. Are you with me? So the foundational relationship of every uh, home is the husband and the wife. And the relationship uh, or the foundational uh, relationship with that relationship is your relationship with God. Amen. Amen? Right? However, there are some things that I think help that relationship to grow. And I want to give you just a couple of tips, a couple of helps this morning. Very basic. Here they are. You ready? Number one, <coughs> allow God to rule over your marriage. <laughs> Excuse me. Allow God 
to rule over your marriage. You ought to jot that down. I'm going to give you three of them. You may want to take a snapshot of this when they're all finished, so that way you have them in your notes. But let me say it this way. Marriage is God's plan and His design. Right? So, if God planned it, if God designed it, it only makes sense to, to allow Him to rule over it. Right? Where God, you have say. Right? Oh, we're doing this little study in the book of Ruth. I brought it up again last week. We're having a great time on Wednesday nights. You ought to join us on Wednesday nights in the chapel. Book of Ruth. Because here's what happened. Pay attention to this. A whole family got all messed up because the husband leaned to his own understanding. Because the husband said, I think I know what's best. Huh? And he moves his family from uh, where God wanted them to be out of the will of God. And they paid dearly for it. Right? And so, I say that to say this, you and I, in our homes, in our marriages, in every relationship, we ought to allow God to have rule, especially when it comes to the family. He designed it, right? He ordered it, He planned it, who better to rule over it? Right? So, here's the question, what's that look like? Yeah. Uh, that's a great statement, isn't it? Say, yes, Pastor, that's a great statement. But what does that look like? Allow God to rule over your, what does that look like? Do we live here at church? Pastor, do I sell my house and move in here? Please don't. It's so nice around here during the week when nobody's around. It's quiet. <clears throat> so don't move in. And what's that look like? Let me, let me just throw out a couple of things. Just a couple of thoughts because I can't get overwhelmed with this. A couple of thoughts. Uh, to have God rule over your family is maybe to follow God's established order for the home. There's a lot that can be said there. But look, at, let me just say it this way. Fella, husband, you're supposed to lead. And don't get all upset with your wife when she does because you don't. Because somebody has to. Now, I knew it would get quiet right there. But that's okay. Because ladies take a beating for leading, but they're married to a deadbeat husband. Who won't take the lead. Huh? Now, it could be he doesn't know how to take the lead, and maybe he needs to be trained in that, and that's wonderful. That's awesome. That's what this is all about, right? That's what the Christian life is all about. It's kind of like a fresh start, you know? Even though there's no mulligans in life, it's almost like a mulligan. Where's the golfers at? You know what a mulligan is? You take a second shot as if the first one never counted. Wouldn't that be great in life if we had mulligans? I'd take them every day. I wish I could buy them. I'd buy a mulligan. Pay for it, you know? However, in life, we have to come in the home, in the family. It's got to be, if we're going to follow God's rule, we have to come to a place where we say, I'm willing to submit to God's established order. And I, I, I can't get all into that. But there's a lot that could be said there. Here's a second thought I, I thought. I thought about this. We need to follow the principles of the Word of God concerning the family and home. Right? I mean, if you're going to have a godly family, God's going to rule. Well, then, what, what, you know, what, what's God's desire for the family? Huh? You can't say, look here, you can't say to your kids, and you're here, I'm preaching to the choir. You can't say to your kids, uh, Saturday night, hey, we're not going to go to church tomorrow. Why not? Ah, there's a, the Eagles are playing. Or the Phillies are playing. You know? Or Grandpa's getting bar mitzvahed. No, no, you can't do that. Why? Because you're going to pay dearly for that later on in life. Because you're breaking a principle of God's order. God, you, you can't do that and get away. Are you listening real good? Amen. And I just tried to pick one where we can laugh a little bit, but there's others that we break all the time, and, and we're going to pay for it. Yep. 
<laughs> because did you ever do this? Did you ever, did you ever work on Sunday and then try to tell your boss later on that you got a conviction you can't work? And he says, but you work then. Yeah. Huh? Right? And now your, your word, and you stand before the court of law, and your boss says, oh, he don't want to work on Sundays. And you say, but I can't. And the judge says, but didn't you work on July 1st, 1999? Hello? And so, <laughs> are, you, are you getting what I'm trying to say? Yep. It's going to come back and bite you. And so what does it mean to allow God to rule over our family? It means this, I'm going to follow God's established order. I'm going to follow the principles of the word of God concerning the family and the home. And I'm going to avoid the trap of society. Boy, I give you a whole lot in these messages, don't I? Think about this for a second. You, You can't do what the world does and expect a different result. Can I say that again nice and slow? I should have put it up on the screen. I don't have it, so don't look for it, guys. You can't do what the world does and expect a different result. It won't work. Listen to this. In order to be different, you must do different. Right? Look here. If you do exactly what somebody else does, you're no different than they are. But to be different, say it with me, I must do different. Right? Are you, are you with me? Uh, in order to be different, you must do it. Allowing God to have his way in your family is to do things differently. Right. And that's why somebody else would come along and say, well, I wouldn't do it like that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what I wanted to hear because I'm doing it God's way. Amen. Huh? You mean to tell me you're not going to let your, eh, I wouldn't do that. That's okay. That's okay. I'm going to do it God's way. Yeah. Are you with me? So, uh, what is a biblical fact? How, how do I establish a biblical home? Allow God to rule, allow God to rule over your marriage. Let me give you number two, and I'm, I'm, I'm coming around the corner. You okay? Yep. Everybody all right? Good. Now, I know, it doesn't seem like we've been here for hours. It, it, it does for me. I'm, I'm working up a sweat here. <laughs> it's too early. Thank you. Here, here's another one. Look here. Learn to give in when necessary. I have a friend preacher of mine used to say this, if you swallow real hard, you'll get that down. <laughs> right? Because some things are hard to, hard to swallow. Learn to give in when necessary. Huh? But pastor, you don't understand. I've been raised to never give in. <laughs> you know, my dad told me, my mother told me, Look at verse number eight again. Finally, be of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love is bread. Be pitiful. Be courteous. You know what he's saying? He's saying learn to give in when necessary. And for this to work, we need to be willing to do that. You know, for the sake of the family, for the sake of peace, for the sake of success, we give in. But let me say this and say it nice and carefully. That's not easy. And he didn't say, you're really going to enjoy this. Huh? I mean, it's just wonderful when you give in when necessary. I said this, I think maybe Tyler and I were talking last week about something. And I remember saying this to Tyler, that is not a hill I'm going to die on. There are certain hills I'll die on, but that's not one of them. Huh? Have, have you found that out yet? Father, husband, man. That when you pitch that fit, and man, you're just not going to, and you're going to, I did say I put my flag on that hill, like Iwo Jima, I'm going to stand there. 
And even though you won, you lost? Because after you took that big old stand and you say to your wife, hey, what's for dinner? And she gives, the, gives you a men, menu of Palermo's or Wawa or, <laughs> hey, can I get a cold glass of tea? Yeah, it's in the refrigerator. Or as my wife would say, it's in the icebox. That's an Italian way of saying icebox. Remember iceboxes years ago? You didn't have refrigerator. You had iceboxes. Huh? Right? So even though you won, you lost. There's just times when, you know, giving in is necessary. Giving in is necessary. I read a story one time. I, I like this story. It's about a couple who would grow, uh, grow cucumbers and then make pickles. And so uh, the husband would, every, every season, he would carefully select the seeds and go out into his garden, and he'd plant the seeds, and he'd grow the cucumbers. And then when the cucumbers would grow, he'd give them to his wife, and then his wife would lovingly take the cucumbers, and she would make pickles. Well, over time, Dad died. And uh, the children thought, you know what? Dad used to love to do this. Mom used to love to do this. And so let's go and plant the seeds and grow the cucumbers so Mom can make the pickles. And so they show up over at the house and they're getting ready to plant the, the cucumber seeds. And Mom says to the kids, you don't need to do that. But the kids say, Mom, but wait, no, no, no. We, we know you love to make pickles and Dad loved to grow cucumbers. She said, you don't have to do that. And the kids said, but why? She said, because I hate, I hate making pickles. And, 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 and so the kids said, well, why did you make pickles? She said, because your father loved them. And, and the younger son said, but wait a second. She said, right before dad died, he told me how much he hated planting cucumbers. And I asked him, dad, but why did you plant cucumbers? He said, because your mother loves making pickles. He hated planting cucumbers. She hated planting, but they did it. Are you with me? Are you with me? You know the moral of that story? Get out of the way. Care about somebody else. Give in when necessary. Help me here. Let me give you a final thought. Accept what cannot be changed. That's a big one. That's a big one. Accept what cannot be changed. You know, change is a difficult word, and it's even a more difficult action. Right? As soon as you hear the word change, oh, where are we going now? I hate change. Are you with me? Huh? And when it comes to people, we often add the word impossible. Right? How many times have you heard this said? I've heard it a hundred million times. He'll never change, Pastor. Or I'll hear this, she'll never change, Pastor. Huh? And the idea behind that is this. The truth is, the more we try to antagonize change, the more the fight intensifies. And so the more I try to change you, the more you try to change me, the more we're going to kind of rear up and take our stand. And inwardly we're saying, I ain't budging. I'm not budging. Huh? So listen carefully. In counseling, I often substitute words. And so instead of the word change, when I'm doing counseling with a lot of people, I use the word growth. Isn't that a softer word? I can digest growth. Change, it's another story. But if we come along and we say, look here, fella, look here, uh, sister, you're just going to have to change, it seems a little harsh. And people get a little defensive. But if you come along and say, hey, hey, listen, fella, hey, listen, sister, uh, we just need to grow. We just need to grow a little bit. 
Now, you know this as well as I do. When you, when you take a step back and think about it, you can't grow without change. Something's got to change for you to grow. Right? Go ahead and try to change. Go ahead and, and, and try to grow your, your, uh, your, um, your, um, your um, waist size. You're going to have to change the way you eat. You're going to have to eat more cheesesteaks, more hoagies, more pizza, more soft pretzels, less salads, granola, alfalfa. <laughs> Amen. So, but isn't growth, doesn't that seem to be, and here's the, here's the thought. Look here, listen. Every one of us, me, you, every one of us, have areas in our lives where we just need to grow. We just need to grow. As a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, you know, as parents, children, teenagers, church members, employers, employees, you name it, citizens, we all need growth. Huh? And so when you look at it that way, I think it's a little bit easier to, to handle because the fact still remains the same. Pay attention to this. You can't change other people. It's hard. Isn't it hard enough changing yourself? Isn't it hard enough to implement growth in your own life? And so, right? And there's just some things in a relationship, I think, that we just need to learn to accept and commit to prayer. Right? Accept and commit to prayer. You've heard me say this before. Maybe you haven't. I used to say this before where I'm counseling with a young couple and, you know, they just got married, married for about a year, year and a half, and all of a sudden they're having little problems and they come in and she starts to, she starts to say this to me. She says, Pastor, he is not the same man that I was dating. And here's what I say to her. He is. The person you were dating was a fake. This is the same guy you were dating. The guy, the, the guy that you were dating, however, was a fake. He was just putting it on. He was being nice, buying you the flowers, taking you out to dinner, sending you the cards. Now that he's got you, you got him. There he is, that big lump of whatever. There he is. I say the same thing to, to, to the guys. You know, I, when I, Ty, when I was a youth pastor, I used to tell my young men, every time you look at one of those young girls... For the outward appearance, remember, she comes with a, with a mind. And when you say to her, uh, you marry her now because she's so beautiful and you can't live without her. And you say to her, what's for dinner? And she said, what's dinner? <laughs> you know, all the makeup's everywhere and the hair is all done. And you come home after a hard day of work. What's for dinner? What's dinner? Don't I look beautiful? Yeah, but I can't eat you. And you know what happens, Ty? I guarantee you this. It won't take too long before everything that she now looks like is going to be in a drawer one day or comes in a box. <laughs> so make sure you marry somebody who's got a little bit more than looks. Amen? That was for free. I heard a story about a young bride who was standing in the back of the church one one time she'd get married, you know. And man, she was all nervous. And so her friend said to her, what's wrong? And, and she said to her friend, she said, I can't remember what to do next. And so her friend said to her, listen, it's simple. Just remember these three things. Walk down the aisle, walk toward the altar, and walk toward the groom. Those three things. The aisle, the altar, the groom. And so the Procession begins, she's walking down the aisle, and all the guests heard her saying this, I'll alter him, I'll alter him, I'll alter him. You know what she soon found out? 
doesn't work that way. I'll alter him. <laughs> you know how many times I've heard people say this? I said, why did you marry him? Because I really thought that I could change him. Uh, hello? Why did you marry her? Because really, Pastor, I thought that I can get her to church and you can preach and... Huh? Why did you have those 14 kids? Well, Pastor, we thought the more we'd have the, you know, maybe it would fix our marriage. I'll alter him. I'll alter her. Mm, mm, mm. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. So we need to focus our attention upon our families this year and work toward becoming a biblical family. Amen? And so I'll give you some more helps. And we're going to kind of turn the corner and go toward the church and then toward the community and come back to the family and all that kind of good stuff. I just want you to know this. Open Bible is for you and for your family. And whatever we can do to help you personally, you know, there are some folks here who have some success. They're not totally success, but they have some success, and they'd be more than willing to coach you, mentor you, and help you, you know, get your family going in the right direction. Amen? If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcasts or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you can give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.